Hello, you lovely, lovely people, and welcome to, I was going to say the latest episode of the BJJ Strength Podcast. Um, Welcome to a very overdue episode of the BJJ Strength Podcast. I was looking at my, um, looking at when the last episode was, and that's 24th of May. It's now the 2nd of August, so what is that? That's 10 weeks roughly since I've I've got a show out to you guys and it's been, it's been really hanging over me I've been receiving a lot of great messages on Instagram on Facebook emails people telling me about how much they really love the the podcast and I'm, I'll be forever grateful for those messages tell me how helpful the information has been and you know some some amazing guests and it's been kind of eating 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 up at me inside knowing that or feeling like I, I've been letting you guys down and I've just looked at the stats over the last seven or eight weeks, and the audience has continued to grow. So it, it, it's amazing to see. I'm, I'm always blown away that anyone is, that at least one person is willing and happy to listen to to my ramblings with my um, with my strange Welsh accent. So that, that's amazing to see. But yeah, as as I was saying, um, it's been it's been ten weeks, and I feel like I've been letting you guys down. Because I did commit to myself, and I think I committed publicly publicly to the subscribers on my mailing list that I was going to do 50 podcasts this year. I'm well behind. <laughs> I'm, I'm so far behind. You know, maybe I can still make that goal. I need to, I need to do a count and see where I am. So what I wanted to do today is uh, this is going to be very unedited. There's going to be no music. It's going to be very simple. There's no guests. I'm going to first of all, I want to let you know that. I love you all um, for all the messages I've been getting. That's amazing. Um, it's really encouraged me to, to keep going with the podcast. But I want to let you know that I'm still alive. I haven't vanished off the face of the earth. I am thinking about you. I am doing a lot of things as it relates to jiu-jitsu and strength and conditioning for jiu-jitsu. So I wanted to make maybe this is, I don't know, an in-between episode. I think I've heard other podcast um hosts talk about uh, shows like this in that way so i'm going to talk a little bit about some stuff that i've been working on in the last eight to ten weeks um and you know maybe it makes an interesting show but also to let you know that yeah, i'm still alive i'm still thinking about you you guys i am lining up a guest i was going to get a very good guest on today um my 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 i think as i've mentioned in the past i still have a day job unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you look at it and it's gone crazy busy over the last two and a half months and i had a meeting today so i meant i couldn't interview this guest unfortunately but i'll get that person on soon really 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 good very very good um you know excellent i think 38 professional mma fights jujitsu brown belt uh, masters world champion an amazing an amazing base of knowledge and experience when it comes to kettlebells you're gonna love hearing this person talk anyway so it, this podcast isn't dead right that's what, that's what i want you to know and if i paused here and that's all you get from this episode if you're still listening i may have lost you by now hopefully i haven't then that will be the main objective but I'll, i'm going to talk about a few things that i've been working on over the last eight to ten weeks so i've been like i said very busy with work but busy with a lot of work for bjj strength as well and the thing that i've been working on or the project i was working on actually it started at the beginning of this year was um a program a program or a course 
uh, using gym, a gym ball, one of those or stability balls, some people call it. Some people even call it a yoga ball. One of those big inflatable balls that people roll around on or try to roll around on and it, you see it gathering dust in the corner of your gym. I've been, I think I've mentioned this in the past, a huge fan. Actually, it's my number one supplemental movement training for jiu-jitsu. Yes, I do all the strength and conditioning, yoga, etc., mobility work. But when it comes to when I can't make it to the mat, or even when I've made it to the mat, you know, five times a week or so, I still like to use a gym ball to practice jiu-jitsu specific movements that I've had. It's been a huge benefit to me. So I developed a course, or have been I was piloting a course for probably the first four or five months of this year with a bunch of people and i released the course i think it was two weeks ago now um so it was taking up a lot of my time and the you know the, the, the pilot was really good and if if you go on to uh, bjjstrength.com forward slash gym ball that's g-y-m-b-a-l-l you'll see information about the full program and you'll see a bunch of testimonials of people that have used the program and how it's helping them with their jujitsu but if you also go to bjjstrength.com forward slash gym ball free i'll put links uh, in the show notes then you can uh, i'll give you I'll give you a bunch of uh, free videos and some other cool stuff as it relates to using the gym ball for jujitsu. So, you know, if you don't want the full program, um, fine. If you don't even want the videos, the free videos, um, fine. I think a lot of people, maybe in the future, I'll I'll, I'll read out some of the testimonials. but it's been a huge benefit for my movement for jiu-jitsu and for a bunch of other people. But even if you don't like my stuff, get a gym ball. You know, even outside working movement for jiu-jitsu, they're incredible for core stabilization and a bunch of other stuff. You can buy them for about fifteen bucks, fifteen to twenty bucks, or fifteen pounds if you're over in the UK, or euros, or whatever your local currency may be. An incredible tool, and I'd, I'd encourage you to use it and start playing with it, regardless of where you get your content from. And that's how passionate I am about how effective a gym ball can be for your movement. So that's one, probably the biggest thing that's kept me away from, you know, I've been a little bit light on social media, very light on YouTube videos and light on the podcast over the last 10 weeks. That was the main thing that's been keeping me away. Um, But I want to, you know, talk about um, some other stuff as well. I've been, you know, from a personal perspective, I've been you know, still very consistent with my you know, strength and conditioning and my jiu-jitsu training. I had a bit of a patch where I work got very, very busy, but I've been training up towards the Masters Worlds out in Vegas on the 22nd of August. I believe it starts on the 22nd of August, so that's now three. Yeah, it would be exactly three weeks away. So starting to uh, taper down the strength and conditioning slightly, um, you know, keep keeping some short intense sessions in there and focusing a lot more on the jujitsu but you know that's by the by right you don't probably don't care too much about my personal training um but i wanted to talk about four things right we'll see how long we how long this episode's going to be but um the first well the first thing i'm going to talk about the 30-day hanging challenge which is something that's been popularized by edo portal i'll talk about that um I'm going to talk about training intensity and training reactions uh, to very recent ideas that have uh, uh, I've been applying specifically on the mat that I want to share with you guys, and hopefully you can make use of it. I'll talk a little bit about nutrient timing, 
because I've been reading up a lot on sports nutrition recently. Um, and I want to talk as a very, very brief introduction on a new textbook I'm reading as it relates to Soviet periodization. And it's uh, called Super Training. And apologies if you can hear my, my chair squeaking in the background. Uh, the sixth edition of, of Super Training, the expanded version by, I'm going to butcher this name, Yuri Virchos. Virchohansky. Um, he was he's the guy that's credited for inventing plyometrics. That's probably the main thing you need to know. I've I've butchered the name. I'm probably always going to butcher the name. I should have rehearsed that, but I didn't. And I, I want to talk at the very brief intro a little bit about that because these are some of the things that I've been you know reading and studying um, over the last eight to ten weeks. So you know I didn't want this just to be an episode of letting you know that I'm still alive but hopefully giving you some some valuable information. I think I think I'm going to start on the topic of training intensity and training reactions. So these are two things that came out from from two separate people. The training intensity piece was something that I listened to a podcast by oh my god, why is uh, Josh Waitskin, that's it. Josh Waitskin, he's been mentioned by Tim Ferriss a lot and it's actually an interview on the Tim Ferriss podcast. Josh Waitskin is, uh, he was a child chess prodigy, um, now works as a performance coach or I think that's what he would call himself or maybe what other people would call him but is also a jiu-jitsu black belt under Marcelo Garcia and he talks about in this interview with Tim Ferriss about training intensity and how he can cram not so much physical intensity but learning intensity and he's, he uses an uh, he uses an example of um, it's called foil boarding. I think it's a type of surfing where he feels like he's crammed two months of learning into one day because he's structured the training to be incredibly intense. And I've tried to take that idea into my jujitsu practice. And it's an idea of how can you go into a session. And let's say you've got an hour. It's an hour-long session, 30 minutes of you know drills and 30 minutes of sparring. How can you learn as much as possible in that session? And how can you structure the session to make it um, as, as intense as possible? And the way I've... You, sh- you really should go and listen to the interview, I think, with, with Josh. But the way I've been applying it to my jiu-jitsu training, I'm going to give you two very real examples. So um, I was... I'd, I'd taken someone's back... And, uh, and you know, I was thinking about this concept of, right, how can I apply, you know, in, in the intensity of learning into this session? And I got the collar to go for the choke, but I let the collar go, reset my hands, and just kept letting go, setting up the grip, let go, set up the grip again, I let go, set the grip up again about 10 to 15 times before I actually went for the choke to finish the person. Now, I could have taken the person's back and then got, got to that place for the finish and finished and moved on but rather than moving on to the you know to the next move or maybe the person defended whatever the case may be i i gave myself you know 15 opportunities to learn to to to, to learn the critical elements of setting up the grip and every time i'm, I'm watching the reaction and how and I, i'm trying to modify it all in real time um, that was one example another example was when you're passing half guard from an over under pass and you're trying to step over the inside leg if the knee is not between your legs it's it creates an extra extra barrier for that pass to work so 
it can be a really difficult uh, difficult piece to get past when you're doing an over-under pass. And there's a way, uh, it's going to be difficult to explain exactly what I was doing, but hopefully you get the concept so you can apply it to your own training, where you twist your body in towards your opponent and step back to hook the leg and then it kind of it pulls the leg down and then you can step over it so i was in that position and i would hook the person's leg pull it back but then i'd let them recover the leg i'd let them recover 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 the leg and repeat the same process about 10 to 15 times so i was finding these critical moments when i was rolling and finding i suppose a key maybe the thing to take away from this i was trying to find key sticking points um when i was rolling with people at certain points of you know moves that are very dominant in my game and when i would get to that sticking point i would you know find a way to overcome it but then allow the person to recover and this is very recent in my training that i've been doing it over the last three to four weeks so you know maybe i'll talk about it again in the future but it was a very interesting take from someone who else someone else who was a black belt and how i could apply it on the mat and think about you know get in you know four or five hours worth of learning out of a one hour session to to, to to give an example so that's that's one thing right i've been thinking about on the mat which was training intensity but the other thing i mentioned was training reactions uh we had at uh, carlson gracie west coast hq here in temecula uh professor tom cronin was kind enough to bring in uh mikey Mushemi. I, I don't think that's how you pronounce his last name but um i'm gonna get it up to, i'm gonna i'm really bad at again i should rehearse these names mikey uh musumechi actually maybe how you pronounced it um an American black belt, now three times, uh, three-time world champion in the gi, three can set three three years in a row, and the guy's only twenty-three years old. Um, if you get a chance to learn from from him, um, an in, incredible human being as well. You know, he spent a lot of time after the session answering questions and talking about his growth and development in jujitsu, and just listening to his story was worth worth the price of entry alone he showed some great technique but that's not what i'm going to talk about what i wanted to talk about is um he was saying that you know when he when he trains he loves to train the react train based on the reactions of his opponent and he you know rarely has um you know a set plan of what he's going to do when he's fighting an opponent in training um but just does something and, and, and see sees how that person reacts and then you know learns all of the you know reactions to a particular movement and then you kind of i suppose your your program in your mind um in terms of right if this person does or oh, if i do a they could do b c or d and then you're ready for those reactions and i've been trying to apply that into my training over the last couple of weeks and it really came into its own when i was rolling yesterday or the two tuesday or thursday i forget which day i was rolling and um it's you could brought the real clarity to to my jujitsu and i i it really i think what it did do was really take me away from thinking about you know beating the person and winning but made me far more 
observant of what was going on and made me notice because i'm you know specifically trying to look for reactions made me aware of all of the opportunities that i might otherwise miss when i became focused on right i'm just going to try to get the armbar and it was almost like stuff slowed down in many in some ways not not quite <laughs> not quite like the neo in matrix um but you know just that split second of you know that clarity of mind because i was taking a step back and had a broader awareness i think i was picking up a lot a lot more things and it felt like stuff was slowing down which obviously it wasn't um so it's been a really interesting idea that i brought into my training that i wanted to share with you um that so i suppose you know the what i would say to take it to take this away and in, into your training on the mat you know get to a position maybe that you're working on whether it's half guard close guard knee slice pass over under pass whatever the case may be and, and get get to the position and you know initiate the movement but then kind of pause and wait to see what that reaction is wait to see what the person does and they, maybe they block you and go and then what the process i was going through is okay i mean now they've blocked me what if i do a or what if I do B? You know, what if I move to the left or move to the right? What if I push my hips this way? What happens? And you know, you, you have you, you would make I would make make one action, then there would be another reaction. Maybe we'd end up going back to the same place. Okay, now I'll try the other option. And it's like solving that puzzle, right? It's like a lot. It's what jujitsu is, right? It's a logic puzzle. Puzzle of okay, they 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 present you with a problem, you come up with the solution. So it's. Um, you know, maybe this is not new to people. Maybe some people do this when they're rolling already. And probably intuitively, I think this is what we are trying to do. But bringing conscious awareness to it for me was very, very interesting. So anyway, that's training intensity and training reactions. One of the things that I've, I've been, or two of the things I've been working on on the mat and really wanted to share with you. Um, now, the next thing I think I will quickly talk about is uh, where shall i go let's go to super training and i have a feeling that maybe this will could could run on but i've been this book right this book super super training um as i said written by yuri last name i can't pronounce if you search super training one of the other authors is mel sif m-e-l-s-i-f-f maybe i'll put a link to the show notes but if you you'll you'll find the book um and again the guy who's credited for you know creating plyometrics it's um it's blown me away really blown me away and if you've listened to all of me all of my background um you know i, I originally did my strength and conditioning qualification through the nsca um which is one of the most highly regarded organizations at least you know in america when it comes to strength and conditioning um and I, and you know i'm someone that reads reads a lot and is always looking for new information so i can i'm i'm not by any means saying i you know i know more than most people i don't but i feel like i you know i'm fairly knowledgeable i think you know i feel confidence in, in saying that when it comes to strength and conditioning and physical optimization and this book has blown my mind in the level of depth that it goes to even from some of the you know quote-unquote detailed textbooks that i've worked through in the past this goes to a whole new level and i've only read literally only read 41 pages it's that deep and it's that detailed but the one section i wanted to quickly talk about to kind of drop some ideas into your mind is the area of uh, specificity of training now 
specificity of training relates to you know how you can make your strength and conditioning specific to the sport that you're performing in and i've done based on the other text based on the learning that i've done and the other textbooks that i've reviewed you know did what i thought was a you know a pretty good job at developing training that's specific to jujitsu but this goes to a whole a whole new level and he covers one two three four five six seven eight ten 10 different areas to consider when it comes to um specificity specificity for jiu-jitsu so i'm only gonna this is even this short section could take several podcasts let alone the book um but i want to talk touch upon some of the areas he talks about in terms of specificity because it sparked a lot of ideas in my mind um and i'll maybe talk about some of them but also maybe we'll spark some ideas in your mind as well about you know you can then take and apply to your own to your own training so the first one is all around the type of muscle contraction and i'm gonna have to paraphrase or paraphrase a lot of this guy so apologies if you've read this book and you think ever get it wrong but um let's let's start with you know the type of muscle contractions that's all to do with you know what kind of muscle contractions are we performing in in a sport is it mainly going to be um isometric uh, contractions or static holds um is it going to be you know slow grinding type um strength movements or very quick very sharp strength movements and i think what we can sometimes do when it comes to strength and conditioning is oversimplify well if you just do you know some you know you know, strength training across certain movements but also um yeah and then do some kind of you know power work and kettlebell work etc you know you i think you would have heard a lot of my shows in the past and you've heard my thoughts on this hopefully um which is too much to go into now but i think we can oversimplify it but he refers to a lot of research where the adaptions that we get um or the gains that we get in a particular kind of strength let's say we do all isometric strength um, or all you know very very dynamic very explosive strength or all you know more kind of you know slow slow based strength work you tend to see improvements specifically to those areas so if you do isometric isometric strength you'll get gains in isometric strength and potential and not as much you'll get some gain and some benefit but the significant gains come in the area that you are working um you know there's always people that will say well i just do a squat deadlift and a bench press and pull-ups which are great exercises but if we're talking about you know optimal physical conditioning for top physical performance there's a lot of research that suggests that you know the, the specific strength training you're doing that's where you go in to get the vast majority of of your benefits so it, it could be very interesting to look at um isometric um contractions this is just one example where let's say you perform a lot of squats whether it's pistol squats whether it's front squats back squats kettlebells you know uh, goblet squats whatever the case may be but full range of motion squats you're going to develop good leg strength absolutely but then if we look at jujitsu let's say you're trying to pass someone's guard and you and maybe you're standing up with someone and you're in their clothes guard and you stand up to try to pass or you're in spider guard you can often and, and someone's trying to pull your posture down you can often be held in these positions where your leg is not fully straight and not that bent you know bent by maybe 15 to 20 degrees or a slight bend in the knee 
and have to hold that position under a lot of tension for 10, 15, 20 seconds, whatever the case may be. And the legs can get really, really tired. So it starts to bring the question of, okay, I do a lot of leg strength work because I do squats, I do deadlifts, I do kettlebell things, etc. But is there a place because of, and I was watching this, I was watching a fight with Leandro Lowe and oh, who's the guy that beat him at the Pan Ams um, this year. Uh, fight for Atos, Lucas Barbosa, and I was watching that after reading this section of the book. I was watching, uh, I went online to look for some fights. That that fight came up, and you can, I, I could see that you know there's a lot of time where you're held in that position, maybe for 10, 15 seconds at a time throughout the match. So, is there value, or could there be a lot of value in adding isometric contractions in in these particular positions for jujitsu? Maybe, right, when we look at the research, if we want to have, you know, the most complete level of phys- physical development, then potentially we would want to bring in some static isometric training on top of the other stuff um, that, 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 we, that we do. Um, so that was the first one, the you know, specificity of the muscle contraction. Then you've got the specificity of, of the movement pattern. Um, so... A good example of this, right, is so again, I'll paraphrase, right? So what we're talking about here is that, you know, whatever movement pattern that we that we particularly train and how we use those limbs, well, yes, we could, if we do an overhead press, we will develop pressing strength versus um, you know, doing say a bench press where the arm goes out straight and straight in front of us. Um but what the research tells us is, you know, we get, and I think this one is a bit more obvious. I don't think this is going to be as um, as earth-shattering to people, and maybe the other one is not going to be as earth-shattering to people as well. But anyway, the you know the movement pattern that we are that we train in strength and conditioning, you're going to have you know, the, the more significant gains if it's applicable to the sport that you're doing. So I've always said this, and I'll say it again, that, you know, if you, when do you ever press someone straight above your head in, in jiu-jitsu? Um, <laughs> I've never seen anyone do that in jiu-jitsu. If you have, send me the video of it. I'd love to see it. And rarely, and I see people talk about doing, you know, bench presses off the floor, which are it's a good exercise, right? None of these are bad exercises. But rarely do you push someone straight up when in, in jiu-jitsu straight off off you like you would with the bench press it's why i'm a big such a big fan of the of the turkish getup because where you hold your your, the, your arm in relation to the body is at multiple angles which is more applicable to jiu-jitsu but then we've got to bring it back to what i made in the first point is you know that's a predominantly isometric contraction with a turkish getup so but we do perform you know pushing more, more motions so how can you develop pushing motion uh, pushing strength across these different player um, variations of movement uh, within jiu-jitsu it's much you know it's it's much more difficult so it's Again, I think the specificity, specificity of movement pattern, I think is something I've talked a lot about. I've talked a lot about in the articles that I um, that I've put on online. So I think this one's less, you know, less of a, um, a groundbreaking one for people. So I'll skip. I'll skip on to the next one. But this one is specificity of region and range of motion. And one of the examples that he refers to is, you know, cyclists tend to be very strong in a in a kind of a and not a hunched hunched position would be the wrong 
the uh, you know when you're cycling right you, your leg is not fully extended the knee and then the thigh is quite close to the stomach so and the, but they tend to exhibit a lot more strength in that position as they would in a more upright position and maybe runners have more strength in an upright position versus you know you know in the opposite in the opposite to cycling so if we bring it back to well i just do squats um okay great you just do squats but um that's good for overall leg strength but again if we're talking about optim- optimal physical uh, con- conditioning what are the ranges of motion that we need to to perform you know these various movements from um which is why maybe if you go to you know doing a uh, you know bench press with your back on the floor maybe is a, a good reason for why it's, it's a good exercise for jiu-jitsu because where you're pressing from your elbows can't go past the floor and that's what you can be like in jiu-jitsu when you do need to push maybe from escaping from the back albeit at an angle and variations in angle but it's that range of motion that um at least looking at this research is it can be very applicable for um very applicable for well, for any any sport specifically jiu-jitsu if we look at the legs again um you know if you're a big spider guard player and you, you know, have your knees close to your chest you know do you need to be able to push um you know from that really deep range of motion so therefore albeit with correct loading i'm not saying everyone should go super super deep on squats um with incredibly high loads but you should consider you know when people say just go below just parallel for jiu-jitsu because of the range of motion we, we need do we need to go all the way down into your deepest range of motion and there's um i forget the what the, the, the research shows but there's um, you know, maybe we can talk about you know squatting specifically and, and full range of motion at another point in time. But again, it raises that. Uh, I'm trying to raise questions here, right, rather than necessarily pose answers. But it raises that question of you know what is the best way to develop you know strength in the legs given the range of motion we may need and strength through range of motion for jujitsu. So moving on then from specificity of range of motion and. And again, guys, apologies if I'm butchering this. It's it's a pretty complex subject that I'll do more justice of, of over time. But you know, I, I I know I owed you an episode, right? So I wanted to get something out. But the next section is specificity of velocity of movement. Um, and again, this comes down to you know, the we get the adaptations of based on the speed of the training that we do so if we just do slow deadlift close to maximum all the time then that's what we're going to train train our system to do is you know a more not to say that you know if you can you know deadlift 500 pounds you're not going to develop have some benefits of power but you're training your body to recruit for um to develop to exhibit force is the word i'm looking for you know, very slowly. Um, so you've got a question then. I always thought I've talked about in the past, deadlifts versus kettlebell swings, etc. Both have their benefits, both have their downsides. But do you want to develop close to maximum strength um, or force, sorry, in jujitsu? Or do you want to be able to develop force very quickly? So we've got to look at the velocity of different movements. And, you know, the velocity of our hip movement is probably going to be different to the velocity of, you know, grabbing someone and pulling them close towards us. So, you know, where most of your power is going to come from, 
from the hip region anyway um but you know it doesn't mean that you've got to do everything slow and also maybe it depends on the weight class that you fight in this could be very very different from someone who's fighting in the rooster weight versus the ultra heavyweight but you know even the ultra heavyweights like you know Buchecha, he's he's a beast that moves pretty quickly so it depends right on you know how we want to yeah you know, how we want to try to fit this towards our game as well now, there's a couple of areas, other areas that she talks about, like specificity, specificity of muscle fiber recruitment, um, specificity of uh, metabolic specificity. Um, so in terms of, you know, fast twitch versus slow, slow twitch fibers, um, you know, metabolism in terms of, uh, you know, aerobic versus anaerobic, et cetera. So uh, those ones are more obvious, but the one of the, se- one of the sections that was, very interesting um and again this comes back to the argument and i I got into got into this a little bit with someone online um the other day good debate right you know i welcome debates with the stuff i put online i welcome debates with the stuff i put anywhere right so absolutely reach out to me and you know happily engage you in conversation um but it's talking about the biomechanical adaptations which i kind of touched on already but there's you know there is research that shows that the the biomechanical adaptations we get are you know very specific to the type of training that we want to um that we that we that we try that sorry very specific to the type of training that we use and you know in summary you know for increased oxidative resynthesis of atp um is the one of the main adaptations you get from endurance work and prolonged um you know prolonged loading so you know more muscular endurance high rep ranges of you know 15 20 etc um kind of obvious for that one but Increased non-oxidative resynthesis of ATP, so working within, um, so the kind of the anaerobic, the anaerobic systems, uh, with that's the, the one of the big developments, the big adaptations you get from work with speed loads. So we're talking about more explosive, quick lifts, and but when it comes to more strength work, slower strength work. Um, you don't get that same adaptation, right? Strength work, you know, development more of muscular hypertrophy. Um, so it, it comes into that, that that discussion again of you know deadlifts versus kettlebell swings as one as one example. And again, right? If you love deadlifts, do deadlifts. They work for you. They work for you, right? I'm not knocking it as an exercise. Um, but if we think about, you know, specificity, we've talked about the speed of movement, but if you talk about developing the different energy systems and, you know, how we, how we train jujitsu, um, and we know that for, you know, with a lot of jujitsu, it's short, intense, um, you know, movements followed by periods of, you know, maybe more, uh, you know, slower movements and, and not no movement, but, you know, much lower intensity, and when we're, you know, moving quickly, um, we're going to be using the non-oxidative ATP system predominantly as our energy system. So when we look at, you know, developing the correct energy systems for jujitsu, not just with the speed of movement, but which we've talked about, then, you know, what, what the research is telling us from this book is working with speed loads. So more explosive lifts is going to be better for developing that energy system as 
uh, as opposed to more traditional strength work. One such example being the deadlift versus the kettlebell swing. So it's, and again, maybe this was kind of intuitive. Maybe you knew this already. Um, this is, I'm, I'm not going to say this stuff was a complete surprise to me based on all of the stuff that I've work I've kind of done in the past, but actually seeing it written out in the way that it's written out that I'm not doing justice for um, at all, you know, hopefully I can in the future. It just raises that question again of, well, what energy system do you want to develop? What What's the biomechanical adaptation you do you want? Um, do you want to build muscle then maybe you know slow strength work is going to be better for you do you not want to build muscle but you know develop you know the atp non-oxidative uh, atp energy system develop you know the ability to develop force at a much quicker rate then you know think about the type of lifting that you're going to do anyway guys this is again more than anything just trying to give you some you know valuable information today um I don't know if I can ever do that book justice, I'll be honest, um, with how intense it is already. Um, we'll see. We'll see in the future. So uh, quickly moving on then, I don't want this you know, podcast to drag on too much because it's just my myself speaking. Um, do you know what? The nutrient timing thing I think is something that I'm going to need to come back to on another episode. I don't want to just try to squeeze it in for, you know, for, for no reason at all. It was quite... Uh, it was quite interest, interesting for me, but I want to talk a little bit about the 30-day hanging challenge that I've been doing over the last, I'm on day 26. Um, so I want to share with you, uh, share with you my observations of the 30-day hanging challenge. And the, the hanging challenge is as follows. It's where you get, or you hang from a pull-up bar or another object for a total of seven minutes each day for 30 days straight. No rest between the days. And that seven minutes or those seven minutes can be staggered throughout the entire day. So you could do loads of sets of 30 seconds, 45, a minute, or maybe even less. Um, and the idea behind it is, you know, supposedly, well, not supposedly, you know, developing grip strength, um, but also, you know, decompression of the spine. Um, Increasing, there's a lot of research that, you know, hanging from a pull-up bar or another object is incredibly good for the shoulders because, you know, deep, decompresses the joint and pulls all that tissue out very good for mobility over the shoulder and over overhead mobility um but i wanted to give you my you know observations of of what i saw through or have seen so far after 26 days of doing seven minutes straight um the first thing i would say is that if you if you're completely new to doing any kind of hanging work and don't really do many pull-ups don't start off in seven minutes a day it's incredibly it's a lot of volume it's incredibly intense so i would recommend if you are going to go through and, and do this kind of challenge now that i'm talking about it and it's it's talked about a lot online um you start off with you know three sets of 20 seconds for a total of mi a minute per day and build up to seven minutes i would say over several weeks would be my advice i think most people are going to burn out um and maybe do themselves more damage than good to start off with so even if you start off on a minute per day for a week then the next week do two minutes a day then the next minute three minutes a day and so on and so forth until you get seven minutes i think it's a much smarter way to do it because well, you um even as someone who does a, spends a lot of time on the pull-up bar, does a lot of grips, strength work and grip hanging, I found the volume a lot for the first kind of four or five days. Um, the other thing that I found, sorry, I take a drop of my coffee. Um, the other thing I found quite difficult was 
the skin on my hands. Well, I do. I train jujitsu four or five times a week, so you know, you'd hope my hands would be fairly robust for them from that. Do a lot of kettlebell work, do a lot of pull-ups, now and again a bit of rock climbing. But damn, the skin on my fingers, and I'm looking at the, some of the calluses I've got now, took an absolute beating. Really took an absolute beating um, to the point that you know I was getting blisters on my hands. I didn't get any tears, fortunately. So what I did was took a pair of old cotton socks just thin cotton socks and then put them just over my fingers so you know imagine that the top of the sock slotted into where my thumb is and kind of put them in there like a like a sleeping bag from my hands let's call it that and then use that and threw that over the bar and doesn't completely take away you know the, the, the discomfort I had with a lot of the calluses but has allowed me to go for another 20 days and now hit day 26. So that's something that if you do start doing this and you get a lot of roughness on the skin and it just hurts too much, throw it, throw your fingers in a pair of snocks, snocks, socks, and works wonders. Or vary what you use, use to grip by vary between the pull-up bar and the gymnastic rings. I found the gymnastic rings a little bit kinder on the fingers. Um, so that was that's another observation for it. And if you want to treat, what I was doing to treat the hands is once the callus is hardened, I didn't want them to stick out too much in the catch. I would just get a nail file, got my wife's nail file. Maybe I'll post a video one day, we'll see. And just filed down the calluses and filed them down until they were felt relatively smooth. And I use, oh, what's the name of the hand cream? Um, it's hard-working hard uh, hand cream for hands. It's a brand here in America, probably elsewhere. But this, it's a really thick, really intense hand cream. And then put that, I did this at, did this at night, right right at the end of the day, did it at night, and then filed them down, and then put the hand cream on, and then you know slept overnight. And that, that worked very, very well. But anyway, that's that's a little bit about hand care. What you're probably going to be more interested in is you know, grip strength. Um, and this is what I've noticed. I feel like my hands are, I'm not going to use the word stronger. I'm going to use the word more robust. They feel tougher. They feel a bit more robust in jujitsu. Um, and I'm not using the word strength for a reason that you'll understand in a minute, but they feel a lot more robust. Um, if that's that's the only way I can describe it, right? You know, you feel you, you, after you've done a good workout and the next day you've got a bit of a pump. And I'm not talking about the pump I got on my arms. Um but, you know, when you, hopefully you get what I mean, right? But it, they feel a bit more solid, right? They feel a bit tougher. Um, because I think, you know, being a modern man, I'm doing most of my work on a computer and speaking to people. Yes, I use my hands a lot for other stuff, but I'm not, don't do any manual labor or haven't you know, done apart from summer jobs, etc. So, you know, I don't use my hands maybe as much as they need to be. And maybe this is how the kind of volume our hands are meant to have, right? To feel kind of robust and strong. Um, so they did, so that my arm, my arm, arms and hands definitely feel more robust. My shoulders, I've noticed some difference in my shoulder mobility. They feel, they feel good, but I, after an injury I had last year, I paid a lot of attention to shoulder mobility. So maybe other people would see more of a benefit. Um, but the other observation I had from doing the hanging challenge is when I'm hanging from the bar, I try to do com be completely passive through my entire body. But what I found is I ended up going into hyperextension with my lower back, and then my the, the muscles you know from through my lower back up to 
um, you know, in between my shoulder blades were getting kind of tense and sore, probably because they were doing the job of trying to stabilize my spine because I completely turned off my core. So what I would recommend is a better way to do this is bring your legs together nice and straight and trying to point your toes and try to keep your body in a dead straight line by kind of engaging your core and relaxing through the back. So I think that, for me, took away the soreness in the back. Um, I think it provides a lot more stability through the spine um, and allows the back uh, the back muscles and hopefully the spine to relax and decompress, which is one of the benefits we want to get from this hanging work. Um, but then I but I did allow myself to relax fully through the fully through the shoulders and, and and the lats so i'm trying to extend as much as possible but engaging through the core if that makes sense and what i was getting the, the one of the muscles you know just behind your shoulder the serratus an, anterior um you know you sometimes you might think it's your lat it's in that same area of the upper lat was getting super sore if i was actively pulling down my shoulder blades um so I found that releasing through the shoulder bits and engaging through the core is a much better position for me to be in. But I want to get I want to come on to um, the last observation of of the of the thirty day hanging challenge. Now, first and foremost, what I repeat it probably there's days that it sucks ass and I don't want to do it. But partly it's that mental thing of right, I'm I've set the challenge, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Um, but the grip has it improved my grip strength okay so let's define strength very quickly strength is the ability to exhibit force um so will it do i have an ability a better ability to exhibit force maybe but i think when people really are talking about strength they mean you know has my maximum grip strength increased and do you know what Maybe I need to wet, wait for a three to four days after I finish the 30 days to allow my body to and my forearms to recover slightly. But I've been using, you know, heavy grippers. I started using them again. I hadn't used them for quite a while, um, but over the last couple of months, and I was able to close a 250-pound one for one or two reps. Um um, so what I decided to do for the 30-day challenge is only do it once a week and use it as a test to see how my grip strength was improving. Um, and on the 200-pound gripper, I feel like that's become easier, um, even only doing it once a week. That feels a lot easier. But the 250, 250-pound yeah, gripper was something that actually I could close it, and now I kind of I struggle to close it. Maybe it's partly fatigue, um, but I think it can, you know, if we if we go back to super training, we're talking about the specificity of training. If you just want grip endurance, then, you know, maybe this is much better, but it's not suddenly going to give you... Increase the maximum force production of your grips. Maybe for a novice it would, but if you're already, you know, in the grip strength training, don't expect that to be one of the benefits. At least that's what I've seen. I'll, maybe I'll retest again when I finish the challenge, and maybe the, um, my arms are just a little bit fatigued. So we'll see what goes on. Um, but grip strength. But la okay. Lastly, maybe this is the most important thing that you you want to know: Has it improved um, grip strength endurance? I think I'm going to need to test that at the end. I've done a couple of, you know, holds of about 130, 140 seconds, uh, which is pretty good. But that was about my kind of max beforehand. So I want to see if 
I'll need to wait until after I've done the challenge. My arms, do you know what? I haven't really felt that tired in jujitsu, surprisingly, given of all the volume of hanging that I've been doing. But anyway, guys, it's. I'm sure you've heard of the 30-day hanging challenge. I'm sure, um, you know, you'd be interested to, or maybe, maybe not. Um, I thought you might be interested to hear my thoughts and observations from it. But, you know, maybe I'll do a follow-up and see, you know, if my grip strength endurance is much better after I've given a ch- chance to rest. Um, but the, honestly, the biggest benefit I've seen is just my arms feel more robust. My arms and hands feel more robust, is what I would say. Um, over everything else guys i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap it up there because this is it's been not didn't really rehearse or plan too much for this podcast but felt like i had to get something out for you guys so that was important for me um but you know hopefully you've taken some value from it but i'm still alive i'm still here um there will be more podcasts in the future if you haven't already, head over to bjjstrength.com forward slash forward slash gymball free. Check out the free videos from, from the new course. And other than that, guys, I appreciate all the messages I've been getting about how you know helpful and interesting the podcast has been. Um, if you think this has been absolute crap, then let me know. I like the negative feedback as well, so I can fix things in, in the future. But I felt the urge, I felt the need, I felt like I owed you something, I felt like I owed you a podcast. So hopefully there's some value in our little discussion today. But other than that, I'll, I'll leave you to it and we'll speak soon.